Well, I am excited to welcome you as we gather as the Christ Journey family once again, and not only here in South Florida, but across the nation, around the world, wherever you're joining us online, we welcome you as well. And we've uh, grown accustomed lately of just joining our voices in one powerful declaration of faith as we begin by saying, nothing is too hard for God. And so I'm going to invite you to do that. Nothing is too hard for God. And wherever you find yourself today in a hard place, that we're praying that you would sense the presence and power of the God who loves you and will lift you and take you into the next place. And so perhaps that stirring will happen today. I want to ask you as we begin, uh, do you know how pearls are made? Pearls are the only gemstone that come from a living organism. And the process begins when an irritant gets inside an oyster, whether a grain of sand, some irritation. And then the oyster begins to coat it with something called nacre. That's that luster, uh, that strong substance that glows and has that amazing brilliance in it, nacre. And that irritant that is inside is coated thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times with nacre by the oyster, and over years, then the pearl is formed. The largest natural pearl is right here, ever, the, it ever found, was uh, over two feet long, one feet wide, and weighs over 75 pounds, I'm telling you. And looking at that, listen, it's all because a living luster refused to give way to an invading irritant. A living luster refused to give way to an invading irritant. You ever feel like something is irritating your life? Feel like you're being irritated, like something has invaded your space that is irritating to you? We're praying that God will meet you with his luster and raise it to a new value, okay? And here's something interesting. Um, Last week, we saw how an invading irritant came into the human race Human decision-making, human culture, human society. The Bible calls it sin. What was God's response to sin? Well, cosmically, historically, he comes in Jesus Christ, takes sin into himself, buries it in in the tomb, and then invites us to come look and see the pearl of great price, the gift of salvation that comes out of that encasement, covered by his blood, rising. It's a mystery, rising from the dead, and then saying, a way to heaven is provided right here on earth. It's a portal through which not only do we find access to heaven, but heaven has access to us. Jesus said we should pray that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can bring heaven to us through Jesus Christ. And, um, and that's why we say that God is a redeemer, because he refused to let the invading irritant be the final word. He takes the sin into himself and then makes something better out of it. The very thing that the evil one intended to steal, kill, and destroy us, God redeems so that what, from what looks like loss, God brings me greater gain. There's a bottom line for the entire message, that's it, that I think the illustration brings and that we'll see in the movie at hand. From what looks like loss, God brings me even 
greater gain. This is what Paul writes in the book of Ephesians. In him, Christ, we have redemption through his blood. That's the pearl of great price, the gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. That's the the nacre that he coats it with, that he lavished upon us. So God delights in lavishing his riches of grace upon us, but he doesn't just do it for us, he also does it in us. This is part of the gift of salvation. The power of redemption comes alive and goes to work inside every person who trusts Christ. So whatever irritation invades our space, Romans 8, 28, is on the job. God's redeeming grace. In all things, God works for those, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. What incredible truth. Now here's another accompanying truth. What God is up to through me is greater than whatever happens to me. Matter of fact, why don't we say that one together? You could even look at a neighbor. Let's say this together. What God is up to through me is greater than whatever happens to me. Let's try it one more time. Together, what God is up to through me is greater than whatever happens to me. Lots of stuff happens to us. What are we supposed to do with it? Well, look what a pearl does, or an oyster does with a pearl, and look what God does with that of sin, and then let's trust him together to take us to a new place. God has a way of bringing greater gain from what looks like, feels like, tastes like loss. Our movie today testifies to that. The title is I Can Only Imagine, and it's a story of uh, Behind Mercy Me, the song by that name, the best-selling Christian single of all time, by the way. The top-selling Christian single of all time in history, in Christian and in mainstream uh, charts. It net over 2 million digital downloads and then has gone platinum twice. In other words, the world knows this song. People have been paying attention to this song. You're wondering, why are we looking at this movie? Because all the world is looking and listening to this song. The movie, um, at, at its release, earned 12 times what it cost to make the film, and then it won Inspirational Film of the Year 2018 in uh, the Dove Awards. So why are we looking at this? Because everybody else is. It tells the true story of Bart Millard. Check this out. It's an amazing song. Just kind of happened. Took about 10 minutes, I guess. Bart, you didn't write this song in 10 minutes. Took a lifetime. How'd you do this? You know, I've never told anybody my story. When I was uh, 11 years old, life was tough. Where's mama? She's gone. She don't want me no more. And she don't want you neither. And I've always loved music. And I found some songs that I just, I held on to. They gave me hope. Mercy me, that can't be his real voice. Because I needed it. Dad, I can do this. No, you can't. And you're going to blink your eyes and you're going to realize that life has gotten you nowhere because you chased some stupid dream. I can I'm leaving, Shan. I want you to know that I pray for you all the time. And I hope that you find whatever it is that you're looking for out there. What are you running from? My dad. Then write about it. Let that pain become your inspiration. 
I got some stuff I need to sort out. And I deal with it the only way I know how. And that's to write a song. You hungry? Uh, set the table. What is this? I want to make things right. <laughs> you and me. This song from my dad. So Bart says he wrote the song for his dad. His father was a former college football star who, in his adult life at job at, at work, got run over by a semi-truck. He survived the accident, but he suffered brain damage. And when he went home, started erupting in these unpredictable fits of rage like in this. Hey, hon. What you got there? It's a fighter helmet that I made during a big battle in space. You should worked hard on that, didn't you? teach you something, Bart. Dreams don't pay the bills. Nothing good comes from it. All it does is keep you from all this. From knowing what's real. You understand that? Huh? Yes, Daddy. Well, that's a piece of junk. Why don't you just go throw it away? becomes abusive to the point that mom can't handle it anymore, so she abandons the family and leaves, which leaves little Bart as the singular target of dad's fury, which he does unleash. I mean, emotionally, verbal abuse, physical abuse, um, this raging anger, spankings become beatings. Well, years later in high school, Bart is now playing football because he wants to please his dad by playing football. Um, but he has an accident. He breaks both ankles, and that's pretty much the end of his athletic career. And there's only one subject left on the elective that he can complete in that space. It's music. And then they have this show. Look at this. Suspension! Uh-uh. No. What are you trying to do to me? I can't do this. I didn't even try out. You can, and you will. 
and there'll be no further discussion about it. No, 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 no. Look, I am a Millard. Okay, you don't understand. Millards, Millards play football. Millards do not sing. You have a gift, Bart. And in my class, you will be required to use it. Or fail. It's your choice. Look, my leg is still in a cast. I can't even walk. There's two months until the production. You have plenty of time to heal. Please stop making excuses. Okay, I don't sing like that. That Broadway stuff. I'll teach you. Look, Miss Fincher, I like you, okay? You seem like a real good person. I respect you. But there is no way, ever, at all, ever, that you are gonna get me on that stage. Mm-hmm. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. Well, sometime later, Bart moves out, leaves town, joins up with a Christian band, hits the road, hoping to make something happen. And while it's not happening, he's drawn back in to more drama at home. What are you doing? Do what is this? I, I, I wrote you some letters. Did you get them? Yeah. Threw them away. Did you read them? Nope. Oh. I, I thought that's why you came back last night. I don't know. Oh, I, well. I was just trying to make a memory. That's well, kind of hard for me to do, Dad. Because all the memories that we have together are bad. Uh, if you want some, get some ketchup. Son, I, I know that I, I did some things that I'm You did some so things? I got a memory for you, Dad. That night you beat me so badly that I had to sleep on my stomach because I was so bruised. I couldn't move. What was I, 10? 11? Yeah, I remember that. That, uh, that tore me up. I, I cried that all night about what I did to you, Theon. I cried too, Dad. In pain. And what Bart couldn't know, didn't know, um, is that his dad was trying to tell him about his cancer, and he was also trying to tell him that he had met Jesus Christ, that he had trusted God's love to come alive in his life and start a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And uh, the story continues from there in that the healing begins to happen in the relationship between Bart and his dad. And then what happens is he actually sees God's love so transform his life that he says later in an interview, you know, my dad was a monster. And I watched him change from the man I hated to the man I wanted to become. And, um, and then Arthur died of the cancer and at the funeral, Bart's grandmother, Arthur's mother, whispers into his ear, I can only imagine what Bob is seeing now. And so he 
writes that down, scribbles it in his journal, and sometime later um, pulls the journal back out and he sees what he's written, I can only imagine, and scrawls out in 10 minutes the song, I can only imagine, the one that's become so popular, so famous. And here's the bottom line behind that. From what looks like loss, <sighs> abuse, abandonment, the ravages of, of cancer, the loss of a loved one, God brings greater gain out of the pain, out of the heartache, out of the hardship. This work of art has now come that has moved millions, is still moving millions of hearts today. It's like out of the irritant comes the pearl. Amazing. So I'm thinking that Bart probably knows what it means to say this. What God is up to through me is greater than whatever happens to me. And maybe that's what would be something to take away today. That whatever it is that's happening to you is not greater than God, and God is up to something good that is bigger than whatever it is that's happening to you. He says he wrote the song for his dad, trying to envision his father in the presence of Jesus. And the day that he, um, that he was invited by Amy Grant to take the stage and introduce the song, he said he sang it. He wasn't expecting to sing it, but that day he sang it to an audience of two. He said, my heavenly father and my earthly father in his presence. How ironic that from the invading irritant of emotional, physical abuse, verbal abuse, and emotional abandonment, and then the ravages of cancer, and then the grief of death. How ironic that uh, the luster of this pearl is shining so brilliantly. Is that amazing? In fact, um, you ever hear about pearly gates? You know where that came from? Maybe you even told jokes about pearly gates. Revelation chapter 21, verse 21. Apostle John is seeing a vision of the heavenly city, and he says the gate, the, the wall around that city is punctuated by 12 separate gates, and each gate is made of a single pearl. Now, I have seen sequoia trees where you can drive your whole truck through the trunk of that tree. They're so gargantuan in California. But can you imagine a single pearl that is the size of a city gate? Now, I don't know if it's a literal pearl, but I'm believing the symbol is what we're supposed to understand. What's the symbol? That a pearl is only formed because an irritant has taken place, and then the nacre, and then the, right? Okay, what's the, the irritant of sin? Imagine the evil that the evil one intended to shut us down, to leave us dead and separated from God. God takes into himself and coats with his grace in the blood of his son and then rises to the point that he makes this opportunity. He has transformed it into our opportunity to have access to him. This is Redeemer God. This is what the gospel looks like. The abuse of sin becomes our opportunity of redemption in Christ. From what looks like loss, God brings me, you, even greater gain. Imagine. That's the gospel. Now the question then is, have you received it? 
Heaven is a free gift. We don't earn it. We can't deserve it. But Christ has given it to us by taking our sin out of the way and then making himself the very way into the experience of eternity. And now all we got to do is say, I trust what you did for me to be what it takes to bring me with you forever. Have you done that? Have you received Christ by grace through faith? And if you have, hallelujah, but that's only the beginning. If you haven't done that, that's the next most significant important step you can take. But if you have done it, that's where the journey begins. It's not where it ends. So imagine this. Imagine now in Christ your entire life on earth, every day, come what may, your chance to taste some heaven on earth in this life and then to prepare some of heaven for your arrival in the next life. Now, there's a new thought for for some of us. So I want to say it again. Imagine this. Your life every day, come what may, your chance to taste some of heaven here by the presence of his spirit and the power of answered prayer. But your opportunity to prepare some of heaven there for your arrival. What do I mean? Well, Jesus said, you probably heard this, I go to prepare a place for you. Yes, he did. But did you know when Jesus thought about heaven, he also had a, a thought of something else that I want us to look at. So I, I need to set my Bible on stun here because this may shock you. I don't know that this is what you think of when it comes to heaven. But this is what Jesus thought of. Listen to this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's shocking. Where moth, rust, destroy, thieves break in and steal. I've been robbed. Have you ever been robbed? That's what happens to stuff down here. But he says this, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Store up treasure in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's what Jesus says. This is what I'm thinking. He says, you want to imagine heaven? Then imagine this, a place so real and so secure that you need to invest your heart and your life there before you arrive by what you do. You can actually be part of sending your heart to heaven before the rest of you arrives. How? By sending your treasure there. In other words, this life is not all there is. Heaven is so real, so secure, that Jesus doesn't just, um, he says it is worth the regular investment of your life there. Is that what you see there? Jesus doesn't just say, oh yeah, heaven, through me you can get there. Come with me. That's not what he says. He says, heaven, oh yeah. The portal of opportunity that means you can do something here that will prepare for your arrival there. You don't buy heaven, it's not for sale. But he does say you should lay up treasures there. Isn't that what he says? Don't lay up treasures here, lay up treasures there. You need to so live here as to lay up treasure there. He's not telling us, by the way, don't trust banks. He's not saying don't provide for your loved ones here. I think he's saying this, don't miss your opportunity in this life to lay up treasures for the life yet to come. That's what he thinks about when he thinks about heaven. This life, with all of its irritants, with all of its challenges, is our opportunity to trust God and make pearls. That's what Jesus did. How? Well, part of it has to do with what you do with your treasure. Now, is that radical? (laughs) Will that take some imagination? I can only imagine, and Jesus says, well, then imagine this, because I know absolutely, especially it's radical in a secular culture 
where materialism and hedonism are the false gods of our age, and we seek to worship them at every hand. You know, money, sex, and power. Get more, have more. This is what life is for. Get more, have more. Money, sex, and power. And that, as well as this, you know, it's been said the most sensitive nerve in the human body is the one that runs right from your brain to your wallet. And so that... uh, that means that for many people, when you talk about laying up treasures in heaven, it feels like loss. Loss. Well, what did Jesus, what are we learning about loss? Storing up treasure in heaven can feel like loss, especially if you're worshiping things of this earth. Well, what does Jesus, what are we learning? Well, from what looks like loss, God brings me greater gain. He's inviting us into a step of faith. And so that means that um, Jesus wants us to know that this life here is a chance to impact that life there. Now, if you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, honey, I think he's gonna talk about money, so guard your wallet. I get that. I understand that. But here's what I believe. Jesus is saying, through giving our time, our talent, and our treasure here, we not only bring heaven to earth through the ministries of his body, his church on earth, but we have opportunity to store up treasures for ourselves and our arrival when that day comes. Tell you what I mean. When I was a student pastor in Oklahoma, um, the teenage group that I was with, we uh, had an opportunity. There was this club that was vacant down on the strip where lots of teenagers and college students would drive their cars, and the club was empty, so we converted that nightclub into what we called a light club. Is that cheesy? Yeah, it's totally cheesy. Um, and then, but here's what we did with it. We would bring bands in and we'd turn the volume up loud and we'd crank it out to the streets and we would get out on the streets and we would make friends and we'd talk about God and we, people would drive by and we'd invite them in and it was just our way of, you know, taking it to the streets, literally. And we would invite different groups in, uh, opportunities to pray and uh, play. And one of the guys that we had come in was a guy named William Harvey Jett. He was the former lead guitarist for Black Oak, Arkansas. And if you've never heard that group, Jim Dandy to the Rescue was one of their songs. But they used to also share the stage with Leonard Skinner, with the Eagles, with Bruce Springsteen, and with uh, Black Sabbath and Ozzy Osbourne in those days. And, um, and William Harvey Jett met Jesus. And as a result, part of it was laying his guitar down because he'd been living for sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And so when he met Jesus, he felt like, you know, I got to let this stuff go. I got to, I want to follow Jesus. And so and it turns out that the first time he picked his guitar back up was in our club. And I was playing rhythm guitar behind William Harvey Jett when he was, you know, letting it rip for God. And after he got done playing, one of the things he said was, you know, I used to live for pleasure and money and get all of it I could And then it occurred to me, I'm going to die and leave everything. And that was what triggered in him the thought, there's got to be more. And that led him to an experience of Jesus Christ that then changed his life. Um, But then he said this, you know what? In Jesus, when I die, he said most people, when they die, they're going to leave all their treasures. When I die, I'm going to go get mine because I've been sending them ahead. He actually was following Jesus' instructions from this text 
saying, I want to lay up some treasures so that when I arrive, they'll be waiting for me. He was imagining heaven as a disciple following Jesus by learning how to give. Now, frankly, some of our worst, in our worst imagination, people believe that the church is just after money. You heard that? Maybe you thought that. Maybe you've had good reason to believe it. That always bothers me when I hear that. And every time I come to a text like this, I always think about that. But that's not what's in my heart today. I want to tell you this. If you're a guest today, then may I invite you just not to pay attention for a while, you know, because I'm going to neglect you. I'm so happy you're here. I'm thankful that you came. We'd love to have you back. But I need to talk to people who say, oh, I'm a Christ follower. I'm part of the Christ Journey family, and I want to try to apply what Jesus said about this to us. Okay? So imagine this. We're imagining heaven. Imagine this. You arrive in heaven to discover that you have a portfolio there of your spiritual wealth. Okay, like Jesus said, you're laying up treasures over there, and, and it, it turns out they're in three categories. There's time, there's talent, and there's treasure, and, and as you're going through the records of your giving in these categories, the angel assigned to you to take you through it kind of sits down and says, you know, your first category, man, you're looking good. Your time, wow. Looks like you started every day with God, you opened his word, you opened your heart, you sought first his kingdom, you tried to do his will as best you understood it in the way that you worked, in the way that you played, in the worship that you offered, and then your time, let me tell you, your time looks well invested. And then he says, oh, second category, talent. Hey, you're looking pretty good here too. You know, you know your spiritual gifts, and you applied them to help other people in life. You, you connected to meet human need within the body according to your giftedness. And then you took the same skill sets into your workplace and you did honest labor there. Way to go. This is your talent. You applied it. And oh my goodness, look at this. There's, you, you even took it beyond and into the world serving the poor. I'm seeing several entries here of CityServe right there in South Florida and then even a global mission trip or two. By the way, welcome back Cuba team. Amen. But the angel then says, but this third category, not so strong. You know, we're looking at Guillermo Blanco's account. Did you notice that? Me amo Guillermo Blanco, Bill White, pastor of the church. Yeah, that's just, I threw that in to see if anybody was paying attention. Um, but this third category, it's not so strong. I mean, this is where we're talking about giving, giving money, giving physical, material goods, trusting God with your finances, like tithing. And the angel says, you know, tithing is like a 10% off of gross that you say, thank you, God, and I'm trusting you, God, with. But it looks like here, I'm looking at your counter, and it, it looks, I may be wrong, but it looks like you never even tried to do that. Just a full 10% tithe off of gross income. I, am I wrong there? Maybe once and then you stopped. Um, so, and then the interviewing angel says this. By the way, what congregation were you part of? Oh, Christ's Journey down in South Florida. There in Miami. Who's the pastor there? Who's the teaching pastor there? Oh, Pastor Bill. And he never talked to you about this? That you could actually lay up treasures in heaven 
you know, before you arrived here so that your portfolio could reflect those contributions as you trusted God, you know, because I'm just telling you, your accounts here could be much stronger in this category. The angel's trying to be delicate, you know, but facts are facts, and the facts are that you never decided to obey God in trusting him with the first tenth of the income that he graced you to, to earn, a tithe. Now, why do I use the word tithe? Because Jesus did. Matthew 23, 23, Jesus, he's chewing out the Pharisees for everything you can imagine, but right in the middle of it, he said, but you know, there is this one thing you got right. You tithed. You gave a tenth, and then he lists the things they gave a tenth of, and then he says, but you know what? You should have done that with mercy, justice, and faithfulness. Don't neglect the attitude of your heart as you're making the gift of your, of your tithe. And, um, and so when Jesus says tithe, I'm thinking, okay, a tenth, you know what that is? It's a dime of every dollar. It's a ten of every hundred. It's a hundred of every thousand. It's a thousand of every ten. A tithe is what Jesus said. And, uh, and then he says, you should. So here's my thinking. When Jesus, this is a Christ journey church, we find and follow Jesus here. And when Jesus says, you should do this, then I'm thinking, I probably should do what Jesus says I should do. And so that's where this comes from. And in fact, that's what, that's what Paul, when he's writing to Timothy about being pastor of the congregation, he says this, command, command those who are rich in this present world. That's pretty much a lot of people at Christ's journey. Not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. You know, moths, thieves, stealing. But put their hope in God, who richly provides everything for us with it, for our enjoyment. So God wants us to enjoy life, yes, including learning the joy of giving. God loves a cheerful giver. Remember that passage? So he's talking about learning. And so then he says this, command them to do good. What does that mean? Well, that's the category of time. Use your time to bring good to the world. And then to be rich in good deeds. That's the category of talent. Use your talents to multiply good deeds. And then he says, be generous and willing to share. Now you know what we're talking about is treasure. Laying up treasure. And as a result, what's going to happen? He says the same thing that Jesus said is going to happen. You're going to affect your spiritual wealth portfolio in eternity. In this way, you'll lay up treasures for yourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age and take hold of life that is truly life. You know, part of my job as pastor is to help you do that, to lay hold of life, to truly take hold of life that is truly life so that when you die, you don't leave your treasures. You take hold of life that is truly life. And so I'm teaching that. I'm supposed to teach that. But you know what? I can't make deposits into your accounts. I can teach you what Jesus said, and I can invite you and challenge you to do it. But you've got to make deposits into your own accounts. And then when you do it, your spiritual muscle of generosity will grow, and you will become more like Jesus. And as a result, giving will then flow into healthy spiritual life through his body that then yields compounded benefits in eternity. If you call yourself a Christ follower, 
and have not yet trusted God financially, then may I challenge you today to take the step. You don't, by the way, you don't have to open an account. Did you know that? You already have one there. When you receive Christ, God opens an account in your name. Your account is secure in heaven. Your name is at the table already. You're not buying influence in heaven. You're simply saying, I'm following Jesus in doing what he said when it comes to imagining heaven. Now, maybe for somebody else, this is simply a reminder message. It just says, you know, there was a time when I was giving regularly and I was making regular deposits in time, talent, and treasure, but then we hit the hard times and then things got hard and, you know, what are we supposed to do when stuff gets hard? What, we, there was this loss. Well, look at this. From what looks like loss, God brings me greater gain. Now, if you're wondering, how can a message, how can a, this mess, how can a message about money come from this movie? I thought we were going to talk about a song. Okay, let me tell you the meaning behind the song. What, what I said from the beginning was, here's the point of the whole story. From what looks like loss, God can bring greater gain. When irritants move in and hardships come, here's what I would say. The movie is about hardships of life being transformed into a channel of eternal life. Even the hardship of physical abuse the hardship of emotional abuse, of verbal abuse, that trusting God in the middle of that can transform it into something as amazing as the song I can only imagine. And that when we trust God in the middle of our irritations and our hardships, then he has a way of meeting us there and bringing his grace there and creating channels of heaven into our lives. From a life of abuse and abandonment, God gave Bart the song I can only imagine, and we're benefiting from that. From the irritation of sand in an oyster comes the beauty and value of the pearl. Now, frankly, maybe you feel like this message is irritating. So then what I would ask you is, could God be saying, would you like to make a pearl? Let me show you what I can do if you will let me meet you in that irritation and then wrap it in my promise and love and help life come out of what you think looks like loss. God is full of surprises. In fact, I'm trusting him for one right now. Um, you got 60 seconds for an update on your church's financial situation? Let me tell you this. We've had the most amazing summer. Kids camp, record attendance, highest ever in history. Student camp, Highest attendance ever in history, over 300 uh, lives that have been affected through our student ministry. Last week we had baptisms coming out of that. The room was electric with praise and worship as families celebrated and church families celebrated. Miami Beach, the new launch is having teams gather and getting ready now. I mean, it's so much good is going on uh, that right now, and you know how much all that positive energy, how does that happen? It happens because we do it together as family, giving our, our time, our talent, and our treasure, which means simply your gifts matter, that we rely on the gifts of God's people, tithes and offerings, to fuel his body in bringing heaven to earth through our ministries. So the bare facts are simply these. Number one, we need finances to make the ministries run. There's no outside sources that come outside of the giving that we give. And number two, giving is a spiritual discipline that 
Jesus challenges us to develop so that we build up our body and we fuel his church. And they work together to provide ministry. And right now, church family, we have five weeks left in the fiscal ministry year, and we're under-received for this summer. So as a result, we do what you do at home. We put a hold on other spiritual ministry opportunities because we will not spend money we don't have. We are wise with God's money. And right now, the finance committee is evaluating how the budget for next year's ministries is going to go by looking at how this year ends. So their proposal will come out of what we're doing in the next five weeks. So I'm trusting God for some surprises. And here ends that report, except to say this. I think God's got some for us beyond our imagination. So let me ask you this. When you imagine heaven, what do you see? When you imagine yourself in heaven, what do you see? Do you imagine a place that's prepared for you? And do you imagine a place where you have prepared for it before your arrival? Do you um, know you're going and celebrate it? Or do you sort of have your fingers crossed and say, well, I hope I'll get there? Well, if you're hoping that it's time to receive the gift of salvation in Christ, and if you're planning on being there, it's time to start making deposits that will make a difference on the other side. What if all the irritations of this life, including this talk, what if all the irritations of this life were meant to be your opportunity to trust God and impact the next life? If not simply for yourself, for others that can find their way to heaven through this church, and perhaps for others that are sitting right here in this room and the difference it can make as we give. Do you imagine a space there from which your gifts and your influence and your service can make a difference here? Because when Jesus said, oh, imagine heaven, he said, well, imagine this, a place so secure and so real that you should be laying up treasures every week, making deposits that will bring eternal dividends. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for loving us so generously and for giving yourself in Christ. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for going all the way to the cross, to the grave, that you spared no expense when it came to your generosity on our behalf. And thank you, Lord, for giving us likewise your spirit. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our understanding today, that the counsel of your word would lead us into the fullness of your will, and that somebody will be set free, and that that irritation in their life from this invading presence would meet faith and grace and be transformed into a brand new value. And I'm praying for somebody who just knows that you've been speaking to them, that even now they could say, Lord, I'm listening, and I will follow you in where you're leading me. And friend, maybe today you are ready to get personal with God, and I would offer a prayer through which that can happen. Join me in it if it's right. Lord Jesus, forgive my sins. Come into my life. I, 
I've been trying to live my own way and now I'm willing to trust you and learn how to live your way. So thank you for dying on the cross in my place and rising from the dead so that your spirit can come alive in me. I welcome you and I receive the gift of salvation. Our heads are still bowed, but if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, I'm gonna ask you simply to raise your hand and hold it up for a moment. If you're joining us online, you can click right there and we're going to be praying with you. Thank you right here toward the front, to my right. God bless you. Toward the back on my right, amen. And then here in the middle as well, toward the back, thank you. Lord, for each person who's by uplifted hand has said, my heart is open and hungry and I'm taking the step of faith and for every person that I haven't seen but you have, I pray now that by your peace and grace you will cause them to know your presence has come alive in them and that the journey has begun as we make our prayer in Jesus' name, amen.